What's up, Freaks? It's your boy Marty here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt. I sat down with Brian Harrington, great Bitcoiner. Been following for quite some time. Was very happy to get him on the horn. He is doing some interesting things out in California. He got elected to his local government, and he's working to try to convince them that they should be integrating Bitcoin into their locality as much as possible. Uh, we had a very interesting, wide-ranging conversation get into the difference between changing things via your local government as opposed to the federal government, which is very fascinating. We, we may be able to do more at the local level and have more impact at the local level, which is something we love to talk about here on Tales from the Crypt than we could ever hope to achieve at the federal level. So I think you guys are really going to like this episode. I, I certainly did. This episode was brought to you by our good friends at the Cash App. You freaks already know all about them. All right, they're helping us stack sats. They're helping to send sats, receive sats, and sats is the sander now. If you want to sell sats, you can do that too. Not recommended on this podcast, but if you want to, the option is there. You can buy and sell. You can stack and unstack on the Cash App. On top of that, they're allowing you to invest in stocks. Listen, listen, freaks. Hey, you, with your headphones in, maybe in your car, maybe in your backyard, maybe drinking a beer. I don't know what you're doing, but I know you can hear me, okay? I, I don't, I know that you, not all of you want to buy stonks, okay? But the option is there. If you want to stack stonks via the Cash App, via Cash App investing specifically, you can do that. You can stack slivers of stonks. You do not have to buy a whole stonk. If it's way too expensive for you, if you want to buy a stonk, if you don't have to, if you don't want to, you don't have to. But if you want to and it's a little too expensive, you can buy as little as $1 via Cash App investing. Because it's connected directly to your bank account, there's no four to five day waiting periods. You can start investing today. Cash App may even be your bank account. They're offering account number and routing numbers now. So you can get your checks directly deposited into the app. Start stacking faster. Take out that that whole move money to the Cash App process. Just get it sent straight there from your paycheck. Uh, Cash App Investing is a subsidiary square. Remember SIPC as always. Remember to use the code StackingSats if you haven't downloaded the app yet. If you download the app, use the code stacking sats. That's one word, S-C-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. <laughs> stacking sats. Enjoy this episode. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent here on a beautiful Wednesday evening for me. It's turning into evening. I'm very excited to have this conversation. We we nailed it down today. I'm sorry. I uh I uh I'm slow to respond to DMs sometimes. I'm sitting down with Bitcoiner, great Bitcoiner, Brian Harrington. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Dude, it's like humbling, truly humbling to be here talking to you um and the freaks. Like I really I'm excited to be alive and I'm excited that we're all rising to the occasion. Like I, so I'm excited to just openly conspire with all of you and usher in, continue ushering in the revolution. Like that's what I feel like we're doing. So I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful to have you here. And that's why uh, I wanted to bring you on. You're very, uh, very vocal about wanting to, to free the world and free people's minds and get them out from under the, the thumb of the state, particularly after all this lockdown stuff where obviously it's a hot topic, very controversial to some, but it, I think in my mind at least there's no no doubt that the state is taking advantage of this crisis to uh, inhibit civil liberties, and some people are just rolling over and taking it. Yeah, no, exactly. That, like, <laughs> it is kind of controversial. Like, I threw out... I threw out that protest video on our Bitcoin just to, you know, try to make some new friends, see what was going to happen. And everyone was mad at me for like being outside on our Bitcoin. And I was like, I thought we were libertarians here. Like, I don't understand like what's happening. So I, I just want people to, like, I appreciate people's perspective on, you know, both sides of this thing, but no, yeah, the shutdown has truly kind of like 
shook me to my core because like I, I've always I've been involved in politics. I've always loved politics. And like there's there's thousands that not exaggerating, think across the United States, thousands of city council, county council, state representatives, federal representatives that are ignoring private property rights and saying that it's illegal to engage in commerce. That's weird. Like, so these, these people that I've been like working for and working with are, are, have nothing to do with what I'm interested in doing. And that's been a weird realization over the last, you know, 58 days. Yeah. I mean, and especially as more data is coming in, we know who this virus attacks, uh, we have better data around that and who we should be protecting and who is less susceptible to uh, getting a severe case of this virus. It, it doesn't make any sense to quarantine everybody, especially as tens of millions of people are becoming unemployed. I think I just saw a tweet where Chairman Powell came out and said 40% of people making $40,000 or uh, lower are currently unemployed, which is insane. Yeah, no, and, and that's, and so... That's what sparked for me this whole stuff about taxes is is that like uh, on a real practical level like what are we paying for like what am i paying for my i you're taking away rights you're taking away freedoms i thought that's what i was paying for like i thought that's what the social contract said was that you as elected people protect life liberty and pursuit of happiness and me as the citizen like pay taxes. Isn't that what the arrangement is? Like, and so you guys aren't upholding your end of the bargain. So like where, what am I supposed to do to uphold my bargain? Um, yeah, no, that's why we're sitting here. It's like tax protest. Definitely a very, very touchy, controversial subject. Uh, should we not pay our taxes? Uh, I mean, this is something I've been thinking about more and it's definitely a taboo subject to even bring up like oh, you're not going to pay your taxes the irs right. is going to come knocking on your door you're right. going to get wesley sniped um right. like uh but fuck it like let's have the conversation they are not upholding their end of the bargain uh, we're finding out that some of our tax dollars may have even gone to fund the research around this virus specifically like so right. we're paying to have them research something that is killing us what, what does it even make sense anymore? Are we getting any return on our investment at this point? And is it an investment or return on our, our labor? Right. No. And, and I know it's a touchy subject and I know it's like, look, it's easy to just be a loudmouth libertarian on Twitter. Like, and, and I'm guilty of that. I'm just as guilty of that as you know, a lot of us are, but that's why I started to really like think about, okay, what would this actually look like? And that's where kind of this renewed sense of urgency to me of like, the Bitcoin circular economy and like, what do these citadels actually look like? What, you know, th there already are arrangements like this in the United States because like, look, the Amish already live under their own set of rules. The native Americans already live under their own set of rules. And so I don't know, like there has to be legal ways or like I sent, I sent you this like too, like there was just this ruling at the Supreme court called the Janus decision that allows public employees to opt out of their unions now. So that's been like a long fight over like a long amount of times so of people like standing up for their rights and saying like, no, I shouldn't have to join this like collective bargaining thing if I don't want to, even though you're you know mandating that I do it. And I kind of want to do the same thing, dude, but with like social security, like social security is not going to pay us back. It's not like we all know that we all know the math on that. And, but now, like we have this like radical open source software tool to create our own economy and literally annex ourselves in place while still being, you know, patriots of whatever country we live in. And, and so that's like, I'm trying to drive this line of like, I'm not just trying to spout off this like, oh, I'm angry, you know, you guys aren't treating me fair or whatever. As much as I, you know, feel like that and want to rant like that, I'm literally trying to make like an actual case for, you know, what does this middle of the road, you know, change look like to protest? Wow. Just building, we're building around the regulations. Yeah. And I think, um, Alex Gladstein made a good point yesterday. We were on a panel or a podcast panel, if you will, at the value of Bitcoin, uh, conference, the virtual conference. And he made a good point about peaceful protest having, 
much greater chances of succeeding as opposed to violent protest. And Bitcoin is the most peaceful protest because you don't even have to leave your fucking house. Yeah. Yeah. No, just every, every dollar that you swap into Bitcoin is a protest. And every dollar that we keep inside Bitcoin, inside the circular economy is a protest. And so that's like, and I guess that's, what's cool, right? Is that this, I mean, the silver lining of this thing is that it has brought the sense of urgency to me to, to not just be one of these, one of these guys that, you know, like there, there is this whole debate of just, you know, hodling versus spending and just like, what is this going to look like? And, and I do think some of us are in trouble of kind of just, you know, keep, you know, keeping the sats on hardware wallets and just hoping for the moon. And, and, and that is positive. It's still a net benefit, but like, I'm excited for some of us that have been doing that for a while to start taking the next step. Like, like I just bought an Android, like, dude, I'm an iPhone cash apper, dude. I'm an, I am, I'm an iPhone cash apper Bitcoiner. Like, but I'm trying to learn and get better. Like I bought an Android, you know, I'm hanging out with like the samurai guys now in telegram and trying to learn and trying to understand what the whole deal is because I, I never had, there was no point in me buying Bitcoin for cash because I didn't know how to store it because it was, it was confusing. But now with, you know, Samurai and Whirlpool and all this stuff on the phone and they give you control over the UTXOs, that's now more simple for me to actually, you know, have digital cash and have a dedicated phone that would allow me to participate in a circular economy. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, uh, I bought an Android, wiped it, downloaded Graphene too, and I'm running Dojo and Whirlpool and I'm very happy. And yeah, and I mean, it's like layers to it, right? Like you can, you can ease into it. Like and I, I do sort of hate the, um, the shaming of people who, who use the KYC services. I, I do agree that KYC is evil and that it's not ideal that these exchanges know the, the at least the first hop from the exchange when you're interacting with them. Um, but that is, I would know the first hop uh, from a merchant if I were to buy things with Bitcoin as well, unless they're going straight into a coin join, which is possible, especially with a pay join. Um, but no, there's, there's levels to it. And there's, there's, uh, there is sort of stepping stones for, for different types of users. There's certainly the people who will go straight to BISC and know how to set that up and run that and find a counterparty to a trade. But there's others who's just honestly easier that they already have the cash app and they could just go to the tab and, and stack some sats that way. Disclaimer, Cash App sponsor the pod. Everybody knows that already. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it is. It is, And that's why I like the work you've been doing recently and why I wanted to reach out. Obviously, we want to talk about the tax stuff and tax protesting, but obviously you've been pushing hard on, on Instagram and YouTube and, you know, the, the crazy big followings there, but you're reaching out to your friends and family and just educating like one at a time with these small one to two minute videos about, about how to get access and then use Bitcoin. So why, why have you been doing that? So, because, because I've always been into personal finance, like my, my parents, like I'm thankful that my parents taught me how to budget. Like I use the like envelope system, like as a kid and you know, you put 80% in spending 10%, you know, gave it to the church and 10% to um, savings. So my parents taught me how to do that. So I've always grown up just watching, you know, Dave Ramsey and like all these budgeting like videos. And there's like, honestly, the whole like personal finance community, like community on Twitter and Instagram and, you know, YouTube is behind. They're behind. And so it really was one of those things where it's like, okay, if they're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. And so I started talking about just the three sides of my balance sheet and how I use Bitcoin, you know, to protect my savings from inflation um, because I see that as a really like practical application to it. That's why, I mean, that's why. Yeah. And that, I actually was piss poor personal finance until I found Bitcoin and even like longer into my Bitcoin journey. Um, it got even better at it. And like right now I, I think I'm hitting my stride in terms of personal finance and using Bitcoin as a part of that um, yeah. sort of suite. No, and like I said, like before we hit record, I had, long stretch in my 20s where I was unemployed so I felt like I was uh, a couple steps behind even like only even a few years ago uh, and trying to catch up and it does seem daunting at times or it did at least like holy shit how am I ever going to save for the future um, how am I going to stack enough sats 
Um, but it is weighing the opportunity costs and literally trying to spend less and save more. Yeah. Well, totally, dude. And that, and so that was the thing I was going to say about the whole, you know, KYC exchange versus non-KYC exchange too, is that like, I'm, so we'll take it all the way to the other extreme. Dude, I love BlockFi. Like, I, I like that. I think that's cool. I don't think that's weird to put some of your Bitcoin like there. Like, I think there's three sides of the balance sheet, you know, like have your Fed coin or Fed dollars to pay your rent and taxes have your Bitcoin that you deposit with either, you know, a company like Unchained or a company like BlockFi to get fiat liquidity for the loans when price skyrockets and then have the third bucket, which is non-KYC true FU money Bitcoin on your dedicated Android that operates in a circular economy. Like I'm going to take advantage of this whole thing and I'm going to ride this wave and ride this transition and literally change the financial outlook, like for my family, for, for generations, like that's really my plan. And, and so I think, I think it's just like any kind of budgeting. I, I, don't, I don't think it's weird to look at your, look at your Bitcoin in terms of, you know, some that you leverage for fiat liquidity and some that you keep in a circular economy to, you know, do, do avoid taxes and the whole, the whole using cash to avoid taxes. Like that's not that controversial. Like I'm in, I'm in California right now. I could walk outside and buy tacos for cash right now. And those people don't pay taxes on that. You know that there's no, we all do this. We've all bought stuff in cash and the businesses are not reporting it. So that's not new, like in the U S no, not at all. And in terms of like the block fi on chain, as long as you're informed about the risk and you're willing to take it, like, Hey, do whatever you want with your sets. They're your yeah. sets at the end of the day um so let's let's take a step back here like how'd you get into bitcoin in general like obviously you've been engaged in politics your whole life you were the president of your of your high school your senior year um is that what sort of drove you towards bitcoin or so yeah i've always been involved in politics but but no like the the and the fed and like political side of bitcoin like wasn't what drew me to it like what drew me to it was my dad and i we're always just like make money online guys. Like I just grew up, you know, going to conferences and like just trying out different stuff on the internet with him. So, you know, just like, I think it was, we, I made my first purchase on Coinbase January, 2015. And like, I remember it was just to, it was one of the sign up bonuses and it was just, you know, drop in my 50 bucks, watch it double. And I pulled out my, like, my pulled out my initial investment because I just saw it as a way I just like I would sign up for free checking accounts just to flip the first hundred bucks too like so it was just like trying out another app and trying to you know make money on the internet that's how it started for me and when was this if you don't mind me asking yeah January 2015 um dude and I found out this this year this was crazy like dude my dad bought on Gox and I never even had like told me about it like and and so because my dad has like fallen in and out of Bitcoin um so because and, and now he cautions me like you know dude like it might not work out like be careful like whatever and i'm like i agree but there's like but but that's where then the whole political side comes in for me now and it's like but i really don't see any other option like i don't i don't want to live in a world where we get ripped off i'm sorry i don't like that doesn't work for me anymore like i took like i took the red pill i don't want to get ripped off anymore i can't i can't unsee it so that's why i'm passionate about it so when did you see it? Like how long did it take you? Um, this is interesting. Like to your point of like how like just being unemployed, like, dude, I would work on these political campaigns and and I would have like months off at a time in between these political campaigns. So I would have, cause it's very seasonal work. Like, so I would have, you know, work for four or five months and I'd have to, I'd be off for four or five months. And so like Sharin, my wife, like is at work and I'm just like at home watching YouTube and watching listening podcasts like because number one that's the only school that works nowadays like is twitter and youtube to like learn how to do something so i just did like i watched youtube and read twitter and like just heard all of you talking about this (laughs) it is the best i mean i've said this many times on this podcast youtube is the best teacher these days even though it's getting pretty orwellian too they are just taking yeah. They're not, they're curbing free speech, but go full beauty on here. They're a private company. They can do whatever they want with their platform. Uh-oh. Yeah. It just, dude, the whole, like attention is currency. 
So just grab the attention wherever you can right now, like leverage Twitter, leverage YouTube, leverage Facebook, leverage whatever you can do. Just grab the attention, like your name, like as activists, like I, I like, like I'm like, I like doing marketing consulting. I like just coaching activists on just your name is, is the product. So just every, like every, all press is good press. Your name is the product. Don't be afraid to just publish stuff on the internet, video, written, everything. Now, again, that's what we were talking about. Like you asked me if I learned anything at Barstool and I really learned before I got to Barstool, like Dave always drove that home to stoolies and people who wanted to write for barstool was like all right like just produce content every day like the best way to get a job at barstool is to create your own blog and make content every day prove that you can actually show up and and produce good content and it is the hardest part is showing up every day and being consistent a lot of people want to just burst onto the scene and they think their ideas are are great and they may be great, but if you can't follow that up with consistent production, it's, it's not going to take you anywhere. Totally. And so like I changed this a little bit about my mindset that made it easier for me to blog and, you know, make videos too, was that I, I, this is weird. I'm sure it works both ways for different kinds of people. But as soon as I stopped trying to hold myself to some sort of schedule or promise the audience, some sort of schedule, it made it way easier for me. And so, and, and granted, like, I don't have, I, I don't, I don't have any sponsorships or like whatever, or I don't, I don't have a, uh, no one's depending on me to like show up. But as soon as I just started seeing like my work on the internet and my website as a portfolio that I just wanted to be proud of and wanted to add to it, add to it, add to it. And then when a question would come up, like now, now when I get like the, you, we all have gotten the message, you know, from the friend that comes out of the woodwork that says, Hey man, like, so this Bitcoin thing, like, dude, I literally now just send them my Bitcoin starter kit playlist from YouTube. Like, and I just say, Hey dude, like really appreciate you asking, man. Like I made this videos like playlist, like would really appreciate you give me feedback. And I almost like put it back on them to understand, you know, where do you want to start the conversation? Because like, and that, that has like just facilitated so many, um, better conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how the, the newsletter started. It was just literally all those friends coming to me being like, what about Bitcoin? It got overwhelming. I was like, all right sign up for the newsletter. You'll learn a little bit every day. Yeah. And it, yeah, it snowballs into this weird thing where I wind up talking to people I meet on Twitter. Um, and it's fun. It's reward, rewarding, but it's not, it's not easy to write every day and produce content every week. No, it's not. And, and the Twitter, what... Twitter makes you like Twitter makes you get addicted to writing like short sentences and getting the emotional feedback directly from it. And so it's hard to go offline and then you spend, you know, an hour or whatever your process is to write a longer blog post and you know, you don't get as many eyeballs on it. So that's kind of, that can be depressing and it can be like, so then you just sit in the constant, you know, Twitter game. And I was, dude, I was thinking about this of like the, um, like the Nakamoto Institute guys. Like I never, I never really like scrolled that site very much. Like it wasn't super, you know, influential to me, but the fact that it's there and the fact that like people can now link back to it today and like the stuff is still relevant is amazing. And so even though those guys, they, there was no emotional payoff in the moment of writing that still the random four hours that they took to write that on that day has paid huge dividends. And so start to think about your, like my writing and videos has gotten easier for me as I start to think about it as like, no, I want the record like of me saying this on the internet for myself personally yeah. regardless regardless of how many people like it today no i mean nakamoto institute for me personally was a huge influence and really helped me grasp bitcoin but it, pierre uh michael and yeah daniel even though daniel's a bit wayward these days uh wrote some pretty evergreen content that you can point to today from 2013 2014 and on it's like stands the test of time yeah Dude, and Pierre, Pierre was so nice with his like open DMs, like so early, like also. And that's the thing that I'm trying to replicate even now is like, you can message me, like message me and ask me. And like, because, because people answered questions for me. And, and I think we forget, I think we forget how much we know we, and, and, and we do get addicted to listening to, you know, the next podcast or the next YouTube video. And it's like, no, dude, like turn it off, like turn it off for a minute and go share the information. Um, because or or at least have open communication if someone wants to know 
yeah dms are open freaks if you have any questions i know i don't get to all of them i get to as many as possible um it is no it is rewarding too like and people sometimes people and i was like pierre a great example like i was shocked when he answered my dms like to come on the podcast he was the first guest on the podcast um i think we had met a bit met at bit devs a couple times but it was just like oh my god this this dude who i'm learning so much from responded to me yeah and then oh my god he's retweeting me he retweeted the newsletter like, holy shit and that's that's um it's it's crazy. That's like the beauty of Bitcoin. I guess and Bitcoiners specifically is that they believe in the power of Bitcoin so much, and they want want to help as many people understand that as possible. And that's the tip I'm on now as well. Is like I truly believe, like you said, this is an imperative technology moving forward. Like we need it if we're going to have any sense of freedom in the digital age. And if that means getting in DMs and, and helping walk people through resources and answering questions. Like it's gotta be done. Yeah, dude. Okay. Because I said this before we started recording too, like getting, getting in the trenches of the comments and the DMs is the exact opposite of what the elite class does. It's the exact opposite of the way that we're treated by politicians. Like, and, and that's, what's revolutionary about this too. Like I said, I, I'm the whole, like is Bitcoin a community thing? Like, no, Bitcoin is open source software and it can be used in multiple different ways for multiple different people. And it'll be different things to different people. It's in open source software. Absolutely. But freedom fighters and those on the side of freedom, they are a community and that's my community. And like, and, and I, when I talk to you and when I like listen to Tales from the Crypt, that's who I feel like I'm hanging out with. Like, I feel like the way that I imagine the founding fathers felt like inside those taverns talking about under their breath holy shit, dude, are you really serious? You're not going to pay taxes? Dude, the T-tax, are you really saying that that's messed up? Yeah, dude, I am. Like, I'm openly saying that. I'm inviting you to come have a beer with me and continue talking about it. So that's that's what the DMs mean to me. And that's what getting in the trenches, in the comments, and talking to people means to me. And because it super makes me mad that the leaders of this country and the leaders of our counties and the leaders of our cities don't treat us like that. No. And like you said, like they're too polished, right? They're they're just taking the, the talking points and from uh the higher up on the ladder and just regurgitating them and um they're they're not authentic at all. And that's what I think drives me to the space and Bitcoiners and Bitcoin Twitter is because the authenticity uh not for everybody, obviously there's some scammers and dirtbags and uh, people who are talking out of their ass, but generally, if you're, you're able to filter through all that, there is a lot of authenticity out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and we were talking like, sorry for all the typos and the bent that sneak in there every once in a while. It's just pure off the cough, off the dome, hit send as quick as possible because I need to get on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, and like you as soon as I stopped holding myself to like a 9 a.m. deadline, I was staying up to like 4 a.m. writing them. And I was like, you know what, this isn't this isn't possible for me at least. Um, and I don't want to force anything because of a deadline. So now it's like it just gets out there whenever. I try to get out there before noon or 1 p.m. Hopefully on the East Coast, but uh, I don't hold myself to a strict like 9 a.m. schedule anymore. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Like we're doing we're doing it live right now. We're we're doing it live right now. It's open source. Like the marketing department is open source. The same way the code gets written, open source. That's that's what's cool to me about it. Do you think it's getting better over time? Yeah. Do you think the message is getting stronger? Yeah, I do. I, I really do. I think the, because, like I told you, I just did a, presen- I did a presentation earlier today to a government affairs company talking to them about Bitcoin mining and just giving them, just preaching the message. Look, Bitcoin mining does not waste energy. It uses wasted energy. And just giving them the pitch and just saying, this is now changing economics of what energy producers are allowed to do because now they can do whatever they're normally doing or they can produce this this commodity and it's interruptible and you can switch back and forth like just spreading that message and the fact that dude the fact that i like gave this presentation to a sophisticated audience and they didn't even question Bitcoin, dude. They just immediately started talking about like the economics of like how a deal would actually happen. Um, I think, really? yeah, yeah. It's just, so it is happening. It's happening like a little bit at a time. That's what's cool. Yeah. 
that feels like and you have people like paul tudor jones coming out saying he's getting in it and it's is it just the time like the amount of time bitcoin's been around you, you think it's established itself uh, i think I, saying, like yeah i think saying 10 years is really helpful i said yeah saying 11 years and saying that you know it's been around is is really helpful and i think and i think just meeting people meeting people where they're at like i like, i love to talk about just the big like big picture and like oh it's eating the world oh we're ending the fed like all this stuff but meeting where they're at and realizing like hey okay regardless of all that stuff of what i think about it if you have you know surplus energy behind the meter i can sell it now in a way i can monetize it now in a way that the current regulations don't like you to do it and you and i'll hold all the currency risk we can find investors now like i'll hold all the currency risk and just letting them know that like there's other people out in the world that are like making this bet and so they, if you like, yeah, if you want the fiat end of the end of the, you know, agreement, that's fine. But that's still one step towards them making that next pivot. They're still now financially incentivized to like be a part of it. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy to think it's taken this long for the energy sector to sort of come around to this or begin to come around to it. Not everybody has, um, it's crazy to think of how many efficiencies this network creates. Now we're finding out secondary and tertiary effects, like beyond the protocol itself uh, and the people who interact with it. Like it's helping out industries that have massive problems that need to be solved and it's becoming more obvious that Bitcoin can solve these problems. It's really beautiful at the end of the day. And it's almost too good to be true for some people. Like, nah, it's like, yeah, yeah. it's going to, Bitcoin fixes everything. It's like, well, and you actually right. get down to the details. No, maybe probably doesn't fix everything, but it fixes a lot of things. Like fix the money, fix the world. I think yeah. that's a great, no. great thing to meme into the world. Yeah, dude, fix the money, fix the world. Yeah, I started repeating that when you started saying it too. Like, and and I guess I guess I shouldn't be so totally over optimistic because you're right. Like, like this is funny. Like, <laughs> dude, Cernovich. Like, I replied. He like finally wrote me back on Twitter yesterday and was like, "Stop replying to everything I post with something about Bitcoin," and like. And, and I just thought that was funny. Like I screenshotted that and I was like, dude, but it's all connected. Like it's all connected, you know? And I, cause I get in that zone. I'm like, dude, it is all connected. Or, or I replied to you and about um, like Eric Weinstein, just tweeting out just all this stuff about how, you know, he has a podcast on YouTube with him and Peter Thiel talking about how the whole, the whole world's in stagnation and, you know, nothing's working and like science is stagnant and like all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, well then have someone besides Vitalik on your podcast then have a Bitcoiner on there that's telling you about how fix the money, fix the world. Like I don't, as some of these guys, yeah, I don't understand like, how are you going to tweet so much about stagnation and bureaucracy and all this stuff? And you know, Bitcoin is a thing, you know, it's a thing. Why aren't you thinking about it? That's weird to me. Well, again, like I think most people think it's just too good to be true. They're like, Oh, fix the money, fix the world. Like how, but it's, it's if you really dig into the problems of the world, it's driven by inequality which is driven by monetary policy mainly today and yeah it's it's hard for people to grasp that or they want to believe it's red team versus blue team it's the right. blue team fucked us over the red team fucked right. us over right it's like no they're both working together at the end of the day, assholes like right they are they're 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 a brown team is that what you get yeah. when you mix blue and red <laughs> <laughs> The swamp, dude. It's called the swamp for a reason. Um, no, okay. On that, exactly. And this is what bothers me about the kind of like gold bugs and like libertarians a little bit. Like they, where they say, you know, well, I don't know. There's there's some guy who was tweeting the other day and someone asked him, you know, like, what do you, you know, what do you think about Bitcoin? And he's, or do you own any Bitcoin? He's like, no, it's too speculative. I don't consider it a currency yet. And I just wrote him back and I was like, why is that a reason not to own some then? I vote for people that are long shots all the time. I donated the dollar to Justin Amash and I donated the dollar to Andrew Yang because I want us to, you know, break the two party system. I throw flyers out all the time for you guys to break the system. You're telling me you can't go to cash app and sign up for 10 bucks a month. Call it a political donation then. Like, what are you doing? Why don't you own some? Like this is a thing. It's been around for 11 years. It's again, it's too good to be true. Yeah. And well, and that's why I just started saying like, okay, it's a political donation then. Like, I don't care. I don't care what you think about it. It's a political donation. Swap some Fed dollars. Yeah. Swap some Fed dollars for some Bitcoin. 
Wait, it's political. It's a political donation that cuts out the politicians, which are the worst part of the whole process. Yes. No. Absolutely. I made a video about that the other day. I just said how like how often do we donate to politicians that go to Sacramento, go to D.C., and do the opposite of what we ask them to do all the time, all the time, and that money never comes back. You don't even get a tax write off for that money. So, dude, and that's where that's where it's like, oh, like Bitcoin's too complicated. Like, no, it's not too complicated. Go on Cash App and buy it. It's interesting coming from you because you've been pretty close to the beast. You've participated in political campaigns. You're part of the government in Orange County, aren't you? Yeah. So I just, yeah. So I've, I've worked on campaigns here in Orange County for the past six years. Um, yeah. I like, I worked for the Trump campaign. I was the Southern California field director for him, like during the primary here. Um, I've worked for, yeah, different congressmen here. And yeah, like that's it. it <laughs> truly dude like this last year of being involved with like the oc bitcoin network guys and like this last 58 days of being locked down have like finally kind of just unlocked my brain to like it, it like red team versus blue team does not work it just does not work and that has like just fueled my like circular interest in bitcoin even farther and and that's why dude it's it, but but there, but I do think it's an audience I can still talk to. Like, I don't want to say it's look, if all Bitcoiners are conservatives, like it doesn't matter. That's totally fine. Like, but like, yeah, like I got elected to the Orange County Republican Party Central Committee. And now I can say now, like when I, you know, tweet to Warren Davidson or tweet to Tyler Lindholm in Wyoming, or like some of these guys that are like, are elected and are, you know, fighting the good fight from where they're seated in the way that they're supposed to. I'm trying to meet them where they're at also of like, look, like I, I am in this game too. Like I am elected and I appreciate what you're doing as much as I talk about, you know, like we have to use Bitcoin to like defund of the bureaucracy. Like I appreciate where you're seated trying to, um, you know, change the system also. And so I was, I was really fired up. I was really fired up that Nick Carter got his uh, got an article published at the American Mind, which is the blog post for the Claremont Institute, which is a big, I don't know if it's a, it's a think tank or a political action committee, like here in California, like they, they partner sometimes with the other political action committee that I worked for here. And so I do think, like, we do need to turn some of these more traditional free market guys onto, you know, like, Bitcoin does work. Bitcoin is going to work in the way that gold can't and gold didn't because it's opt in 24 seven, three, six, five, and just take them through the whole thing. Meet them where they're at. Bitcoin is a tool for freedom. Bitcoin is a political donation. I don't care if you think we can actually end the fed or not. end the fed doesn't matter. Like get on board, like get off zero, get on port. I think more people are opening up to it, man, especially with these lockdowns. You get their Trump bucks. I mean, the amount of techs, I, my parents told me last night, they, they came down to visit we had dinner and they told me they took their trump bucks and bought bitcoin on the cash app with it i was very proud dude my little brother both both my little brothers inside the last 60 days have bought bitcoin for the first time and my dad has re-gotten into it and and i'm just thankful for that yeah and as soon as you buy it you like you start asking questions my sister um she took her trump bucks and took a portion of that and bought bitcoin and then like two weeks later she was like what's the having?" What's going on with the having here? Is my money going to get cut in half? I was like, no, but I'm very happy you're asking this question. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, and the whole, like, when people started saying quantitative hardening versus quantitative easing, I'm like, that's a very, I, I love, I, I do love when the just kind of, um, I don't know, proper language or whatever. I, it's, it almost feels like a reverse meme to me, like a suit, like a, a meme in a suit. Like, like it's just kind of some of these sayings, like that's, I, I equate it also to the whole, like, digital flare mitigation like when guys started saying that i was just like that's so awesome like digital <laughs> pipelines baby yeah yeah i mean bitcoiners are good memers that's like and the the small repetitive uh memes that you can sort of just bake into people's head like the having the having alone like just the the word the having what the having what the fuck like did you see like the google trends on that over the yeah. last week it went exponential yeah um and and again like when people shut down they're like what the fuck what the fuck's going on like you have neil kashkari on 60 minutes fed has unlimited yeah. money and print as much cash as we need 
I have a picture with him, dude. Neil Kashkari ran for governor of California in 2014. And, and so why? Why was I helping him run for governor in 2014, dude? Why was I not thinking about Bitcoin? What was I doing? What did you see in him? Yeah, I don't know. I have no, I don't know, dude. And that's part of the problem. And that's part of why, like, okay, so that's why I'm going to sit here, like, on a public podcast, and I'm going to say this at meetings coming up. Like, I have a problem with the Republican Party in California choosing guys like that. Why? Why are we choosing a guy that's going to go on to be a central money printer and rip off poor people? Because that's what he's doing. You're going to print money and it's going to find its way into the 1% and the Cantillon effect is going to continue happening. That doesn't make sense and that doesn't work for me anymore. And I'm going to be elected and sit here at your meeting and keep bringing it up. Thank you for doing that. Do you, I'm a strong believer in that. Like The system is so far gone. There's no chance in changing it from within. Like It's not going to happen. It's all wishful thinking. Like you see the, the the act that they just passed that's going to get, it's not even an act, it's a clause that's going to get added to the Patriot Act when they renew it in a couple of days here where the FBI has access to all of our web browsing history. Yeah. And like 10 Democrats who are supposed to be for the little man voted yeah. for it. Bernie, Bernie, it was like literally one vote away from not getting passed and Bernie Sanders didn't vote. Like that dude doesn't give a fuck about anybody. Like, yeah. Dude, and, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is to like the big picture, like that stuff. I don't, it, this is again where it's like, I have, I have my libertarian like loudmouth answer to that, but I'm like trying to come up with new information and new ways of like, just giving us more ammo in our, in our, you know, mental arsenal. And so that's, that's this, it's like, I, so, so I've been trying to do more thinking on just how Bitcoin continues to just weave itself into the thing and just break it apart, like at the seams rather than, because you got like, you've had guys that come on here and say like, we don't want it to burn down. And you're right. We don't want it to burn down. I'm not anti something. I'm for Bitcoin. I'm for freedom. I'm not advocating burning it down. I am advocating for if people want to live in a Bitcoin circular economy outside of taxes that don't pay them back, I think they should legally be allowed to do that. And if that requires, you know, one of us taking a case, weaving through the thing and paying it and paying the lawyers, paying the lawyers and going up to the Supreme Court and saying, hey, legitimately, this does not work for me anymore. And making our case as American citizens that like, this does not work for me anymore. I don't want to work under this system. I, I think like, whether that will work or not work, it will create conversations. And so looking at ways like that, or another angle, another angle is like this whole mining thing, dude, I've been so like, because I know these government affairs people, I've been trying to pitch them on the idea of Bitcoin mining so that we can take it to a municipal audience. Because here in California, there's a ton of renewable, you know, solar panels, wind, wind farms that were built with public dollars and, and somehow governed by, you know, a city or a school district or whatever we need to tell them that bring the modules bring the miners to them and increase you know because everyone's getting their belt squeezed right now everyone's getting their belt squeezed because tax revenue is down and this whole thing is like jacked everyone up so we can seize the day and say we have a way for you to monetize existing resources that are already here in a way that the current regulations don't let you sell your electricity so we come teach them all about that and then what happens they sign the agreement in they'll most likely sign the agreement in fiat. And so we'll just sell the electricity that they weren't able to sell to miners. But dude, we're one step away then from getting Bitcoin onto the balance sheet of a public city or of a public school district. And that's the other power of like, I, I am kind of this like on both sides of the fence thing on like being elected because that's where it's like, no, like what if I, I want to run for a community college district or a school district that has solar panels and tell them that like we should be doing this. Or if you're, and that's like, that's crazy to me. That's how you, we just continue to weave this thing and normalize this thing into the system. No, I agree with that. And I like the localized nature of that starting at the grassroots at the school district at the county level, instead of going straight to the Fed and being like, you should put Bitcoin on your balance sheet, which doesn't make any yeah. sense to me, but yeah. just integrate it with communities, right? Like strong towns. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. Like, strong towns like episode you did and it it shows 
Like it really is just like Parks and Rec, dude. Like and people that have watched Parks and Rec, it truly is like that. Like you don't have to, dude, I got elected with 1800 bucks. And granted, like it's just on central committee. Like, but I now have a vote on the different kinds of city council people that get endorsed, the different kind of county supervisors that get endorsed. Like, so you can start at the bottom and get elected for not that much money and not that many votes. Um, and it just helps you, it helps you have a voice and it helps you normalize Bitcoin to just more people. So we're we getting into you can change the system through the system now. <laughs> kind of, yeah, no, definitely. And I think it. You just have to start local. Like I don't think. Right. I don't think we're going to change anything in DC. It's too no. far gone there. Well, and what's frustrating? What's frustrating is that change change candidates don't stay change candidates like when andrew yang endorsed biden why like that's a super bummer dude or when bernie endorsed biden why like why go start a podcast like go start a lobbying company go start anything go be an interesting person like don't and don't give up like that's that's what's annoying and that's what's annoying of like how or when when massey like when massey stood up and was like hey guys like i really think we should take the i think we should count the votes on this thing and then everyone like hated him but yeah. we we realized like these He's people, asking people to do their jobs yeah yeah and so i think it, what's a bummer it's it, so i guess it shows it shows that you can use the system to grab attention i guess that i guess that's what it is like don't don't run for congress thinking you're gonna like change the world because most likely you're gonna get eaten by the system but if you run for a small thing and win and learn how to book yourself on podcasts, learn how to use YouTube, learn how to use Instagram stories, then you have a reason, like you have a reason for local radio booking you. And then you go on and you talk about Bitcoin. Like that's, that's what's exciting for me. And that, that's what I love about just hanging out with everyone on Twitter every day is because everyone is just finding different ways to grab influence and grab attention. I agree. Um, are we too full of ourselves on Twitter though? Are Bitcoiners too full of ourselves? I, maybe. Yeah. Sometimes some, I wouldn't phrase it like that. I would phrase it that, and, and I hate the whole echo chamber thing too, because I think like, I don't think it's bad to have an echo chamber. I think you come in, talk with people, but then, yeah, I do think you have to modify your message and you have to be an approachable radical to other people. And you have to find out what their incentive is and make Bitcoin fit into their incentive. And so, no, I, it's like a double-edged sword. It's like the, dude, the, the being full of ourselves is the confidence that like gives us, like we're confident. I mean, the cards, we have the cards. We have the cards. In the, in the giant poker game, like we do, there's no, like, so we're going to call, we're going to call and we're going to raise because we have it. And so I don't know. I don't think we're overconfident. I think sometimes we just move too fast for other people and don't, don't freeze it in the way that they need it phrased. No, I agree. I agree. Always got to check yourself though. Make sure you're not crazy. Um, no, that's why I try to do with this podcast would be like the approachable Bitcoin or it's like the gold bugs and the skeptics. Um, hear them out, hear their side of the story. Yeah. But also, sometimes I get I get flack for not pushing back hard enough. But again, trying to meet somebody where they are at their point of their journey. Yeah. Um, is important, and this is something we learn via our wives. Uh, and, and something we should probably talk about is like being a married Bitcoiner and Bitcoiner with parents who are worried about you. Um, because yeah. of the intensity of the freedom fight and. I was telling you before, or we were talking about the the newsletter I, I wrote, or the week of newsletters a few weeks ago, I was like really angry about what's going on in the world, particularly like during the lockdown and with the encroachment on civil liberties. And then that was compounded by the, the sociopaths at Harvard who want to ban homeschooling and uh, try to label kids as property of the state. My mom, my mom reached out. She was worried about me. Um, the the intensity uh, of of the letters that week really really shown through um, and but it, it all to clear the air came from a 
an area of like intense, I thought in, intense injustice and, and, and again, like evil things happening, uh, sort of behind the scenes that could have profound impacts on the life of my child yeah, in my future. Yeah. No, dude, I've, I've got those phone calls. <laughs> my wife has that conversation with me, you know, at least every other month, like shout out to her. Like, I really appreciate Sharon, like keeping me grounded. Um, like follow, follow her on Twitter, Sharinzi. Um, she, she does, she does a great job of keeping me grounded. And to your point of, yeah, just like being full of ourselves and being confident in the message, like, and being passionate about the message. No, I got those same phone calls from my parents saying like, you know, like why, you know, why are you so angry about this? And it, and it really is just like, because, because I, because I don't feel free, dude, I don't feel free. It feels like we have permissions. It doesn't feel like we have rights. Like, I, like break down what has happened. Like the, the government said that you are not allowed to take the key to a building that you pay rent on or own, turn the key, go inside and engage in commerce for money. They made engaging in commerce illegal. That like, dude, what? What? That That is weird. That is weird. And I'm not going to sit around and not say that that's weird. And I'm sorry that I've like said that, you know, loud and with some cuss words and with whatever, but that's still what's happening. And then bring it to Bitcoin, like the Cantillon effect is real the people at the top get the money first and get the benefit and then the people at the bottom suffer and i'm tired i'm i'm like i'm tired of this being a conservative talking point or a liberal talking point like this is what's happening the federal reserve is increasing wealth inequality and i'm gonna keep saying that i am too i am too but it's always like people look at you like you're crazy. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Just sit down, shut up, get back in your pod. Yeah. All this is only temporary. It will pass. Everything is always temporary. Yeah. yeah. Like the Patriot Act, which is getting uh, renewed in a few days. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But no, but then like, yeah. And luckily my wife supports what I do and what I have been doing for quite some time, but it did take... A while to get there and, and talking about like approaching the, the pitch like there were times and like when we were still long distance I was a senior at college she was living here in New York and she would fly to Chicago and sometimes I'd ruin like one of the three days that she'd be in town because we'd be at brunch I'd be like the global monetary system's in trouble like Bitcoin's the only way like we're, we're fucked and um, like those those types of pitches are not advantageous to somebody uh, in my wife's position, maybe to some other people, but yeah. um, I had to learn that lesson as well. And it is hard because you're so passionate about it. And like you, you, like you said before we hit record too, like why do we have access to this asymmetric information? Like it feels like we're plebs, like having this information feels like a superpower sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sharon. Yeah. Sharon's on board with the mission too. Like I'm really thankful, like really thankful. And Something that ha has helped us is coming at it from the budgeting like side of it and, and almost like treating, treating Bitcoin as an asset. Like it can't be, Bitcoin cannot, like if, if you're in a committed relationship, it can't just be this like side thing that you're like squirreling away, you know, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, like on this thing. Because the other partner just sees it like leaving the accounts. And, and that really is something that I overcame of like, dude, like we have to get this stuff like on Sharin's phone. Like it needs to be on her phone. It needs to be in her face. It needs to be like, so our, we are like Google, um, our Google, little Google pod morning routine now, like before it plays us our, you know, news podcast, it like tells us the price of Bitcoin. And I'm like, we, you have to work it into what you're doing. And you, I, I do think that like, like stacking stats as a couple, like is infinitely more fun than like stacking stats as you know, an individual. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's a lot. It's, it is like a, a heavy conversation to have, especially if, 
uh, not a heavy conversation, but like a process of a conversation of a, of a understanding. At least it was for me. Um, luckily my wife is, she's orange pilled. She gets it. She's stacking sets herself as well. Um, but I feel free freaks out there who, who feel, um, uncomfortable bringing it up or, or that you bring it up too much. And yeah, you definitely do have to, um, temper the amount that you talk about it. Uh, you gotta, you gotta talk about other things as well, but you also got to fight the good fight and it's trying to balance those two. Yeah, I do too. I feel like we need, we need more stuff for Bitcoin couples. Like, and, and like, here, I'm going to say something like maybe controversial, like we, and we need more girls. Like, and I'm not saying that, and I'm it's not controversial. I'm not saying that as like weird, like quotas and like dumb, like all this stuff. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like literally, like, we just need more perspectives. And when I say we, again, to like cypherpunks, I'm not talking about like Bitcoin community. I'm talking about like freedom fighting community, like the freedom fighting people that are trying to use this software and change their own personal prison and change the wider society prison. Like, and to do that, we need more people communicating as, as like just, you know, like adult couples going into life saying like, this is a real asset that we are using. We use this software. And I, I love, I love the stories of like people that, you know, pay their kids allowance and stuff like on lightning like that, or how Pierre like did his little webinar the other day for kids and like teaching parents how to teach kids to save like, dude, that that is the most subversive thing you could do in the entire world right now. Like swapping fed dollars for Bitcoin is the number one political protest you can make in the world right now. Teaching your kids about hard money and how to save that will rip the control, like rip apart the people that are trying to control us. Right. And it's, it's due time, right? Like I grew up in an era, like I was a nineties baby I remember like growing up, like as soon as we got our allowance, like I, I worked pretty much every summer since I was 12 and my parents did push me to save, but I was not always the best saver. I always wanted the latest Jersey, the latest pair of shoes, latest video game. And the concept of money was never like, and I got paid in cash. Usually I usually worked all cash jobs. So getting introduced to money as a 12 year old, getting paid in cash like every day that you worked was like a weird way to get introduced to money and probably led to some bad spending habits earlier in my life. But, um, I think more education around the concept of money and hard money particularly is, is like you said, very subversive. If you can get that at an early age, like I, I just had the concept of saving money and making money, not really the concept of money, what it is or what it's supposed to fulfill. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I hope. See, so, okay. So that's how I feel. Like I feel bad for like Bitcoiners that aren't able to do it as a couple. And then on the other side, I feel bad for people that are still stuck in kind of these like um, just personal finance courses that aren't hitting the root of the problem. Like there, they like you can learn how to get out of credit card debt, and you can learn how to you know max out your four hundred one k match first, and then do this next, and do and do all that stuff. Do all that stuff. It's all great advice. It's all great advice. But it doesn't hit the core of the problem. Like you're still trapped. You're still building your whole thing on quicksand, and and that's the other thing too of like. Um, trying to create that sense of urgency for the like personal finance community that is gives largely good advice, but it's like, is it all talk? Cause I'll talk to some people and they'll be like, you know, well, I'll have to, you know, I'll have to ask my financial advisor about it. I'm like, you have to ask oh your financial God. advisor. You have to ask your financial advisor if you can download an app and spend $10. Like that doesn't make any sense. And it just shows like the, the mental allocation a lot of people give to the financial industry. It's like, yeah, you don't want to learn how to protect your money yourself. Yeah. Does oh. that person, does your financial advisor have aligned incentives either? Yeah. Um, are they chasing fees? Are they chasing fees? Most but, likely. And, and they've just taught you like they've just somehow they just got it in their head that it's too complicated. Oh, well, I just, I don't really understand economics. Like I don't understand economic. I don't, I don't understand economics either. I studied economics, but as soon as the math got too hard, I switched to business admin. Just like that's so it's, <laughs> no, it's hard. 
economic like economics in air quotes the way that like the world does it is hard and it doesn't make any sense so like stop like stop following that or believing that it's too complicated like top-down control is bad like don't let that, them tell you what the answer is exactly well that's why economics is hard to understand because it's all top-down control with models like the Laffer curve like the economics that we learned in college that's what I studied as well uh, was hard because it's so fucking convoluted you're you're trying to again like you said top down uh, control and model everything out when it's just damn near impossible yeah it's I remember impossible. being dude I remember being in class one day and I think it was like a it was some like it was like some microfinance about like overseas investors or something like it was, it was kind of from like a sociological perspective you know helping out entrepreneurs so it was cool but then I did, I don't know why this sticks with me, but one day the professor was talking about how he had enough cash to buy a car like full, but because they were offering, you know, 1.2% interest, why not just take that? Because it's easy money. Like, and I, I was just like, that's just so funny that it's like that pervasive in the thing of, yeah, it is, it is free. Like it is free. The fact that they're just going to hand out free money. Yeah. Why not just like take advantage of it? Um, but how that doesn't spark interest in anyone to like think about more in inside an academic institution, uh, albeit not even just some random conversation is like fun. Yeah. They're not incentivized to incentives run the world freaks. Um, and thinking of a girl, I actually had a comment. It's good to see Michelle fan get into it. And I think she's a very good inspiration for a lot of, women out there so and i think that's a good girl to have on our team totally totally hopefully she talks more about it on youtube yeah i started following her on youtube when those tweets blew up michelle if you're following this podcast you have an open invite if you ever want to come on talk about your journey to bitcoin um or or even better just bring marty onto your youtube we we gotta get marty onto youtube more that would be dope that would be dope i'm open to that michelle um one thing I want to talk about, we got to wrap it up here soon. I got to get to dinner. But before that, um, I'm going to sort of throw this on you. I don't know if you're comfortable to talk about it, but um, you're very religious. And it's uh, during a time when it's not easy to be very religious. It gets mocked a lot. What's that like? So so I'm, I kind of view this like religious the way that people say like crypto. Like, and so what I like to say is like, dude, I'm a Jesus follower. Like, and it's, I don't yes. know if you've heard that, but like, I'm a Jesus follower and I see Jesus like as the Bitcoin and as like religion as, you know, the crypto. Um, and like, because he's, he's the only one like in my entire life that has like helped me not listen to like the negative voice inside my head. And so like, when I say Jesus gives me freedom, that's what I mean. Like, like believing in him gives me freedom because I believe that humans like I'm so I had this conversation with Bitcoiner the other day, like are humans inherently good or bad? And like, I say bad, like I think humans are inherently bad. But the reason why I can say that with optimism is because I believe God is inherently good. I don't believe God causes bad things to happen to you. Like I believe God loves you. Like if you're listening to this, like I believe God loves you. And that's why I can live in a world driven by selfish incentives and be an optimist is like for that reason. And so I see, I, I see there's a lot of continuity in my life of like, you know, Jesus creates freedom. Bitcoin creates freedom. Guns create freedom. Free speech creates freedom. And so in that sense, like I see, you know, my kind of mental model and the way that I operate through life is very consistent. You know, and it's, I applaud you for, for not being, uh, not being af- afraid to voice that opinion where a lot of people are these days. Um, in a world that's sort of losing Jesus, not religion. It's losing Jesus. Um, but I did like that. I don't know if you did that on Easter. I am, I grew up Catholic and I believe Jesus, uh, has a very good message. I'm not, um, I'm not as, I'm a, I'm a bad Catholic. I'm a bad Jesus follower, but I did like the, uh, the story you read. I think it might've been on Easter about Jesus, uh, sacrificing for the individual. Like he will go find uh, in the parable about the sheep and the one on the mountain yeah yeah dude god like in this world of like crowds over individuals like god does not do crowd math 
Like God loves you as an individual. God created you as the individual and he would risk everything. He already did. He risked everything for you. So he's, he's not doing that. Like, to be honest, like I, I've been very frustrated with the reaction that the church in the United States has had like to this shutdown, because I, I just don't, again, whether it's, it's, there's different levels of like, whether it's serious or not serious and, and it is serious, but I, I don't think we should just like shut down churches that easily. I think that's really dangerous. And so that bothered me and that, and that triggered me to like, when I, when I read that passage about, you know, Jesus leaving the 99 sheep in the open country to go find one sheep, that's what I think about. I think about this time and how God's not doing crowd math. He loves you as an individual. Yeah. I think it's a very strong message too. Um, you can change the world and you are important. You, you, and you can, that's why we Bitcoin too, because it enables individuality on, yes. on a level that does not exist in the current financial system. Totally. Dude. And, and my faith, like I see, I see my faith in, in everything. It doesn't, it doesn't. And, and I don't think it's anti, look, I don't think believing Jesus is anti-science. I don't think believing Jesus is anti-Bitcoin. Like I was just going to make this analogy to what you just said of, yeah, we're individuals. Like if you read zero to one by Peter Thiel, like you are not a lottery ticket. Your idea is not a lottery ticket. If you're an investor, you're not just picking random things. Like good investors, you have a literal thesis of what you think is around the corner. Like, and then you hammer it. You ha and that's how I feel about Bitcoin, dude. Like I've never had this much asymmetric information about anything in my whole entire life. And so I'm gonna hammer this with every spare dollar that I have and every ounce of like personal credibility that I have, I'm gonna hammer this thing because it's the only opportunity I've ever had this much asymmetric information on. I feel the same way. Let's keep hammering. Let's keep fighting the good fight. Yeah. Brian, thank you so much. It's been an incredible hour. Where can we find out more about you, what you're working on? How can we help the cause? Yeah. So go to surplusbitcoin.com and go to brianharrington.org. And yeah, really appreciate it, guys. Really appreciate all you freaks. Thankful for you. Yeah, and I didn't realize this until a couple of weeks. You're Brain Harrington on, on Twitter. Brain Harrington. Yep, Brain Harrington across all social. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoy the rest of your afternoon. I'm going to go enjoy some dinner. Do it. Thank you so much, man. Peace and, peace and love, freaks.